You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. of stardom and fame. And you know, I, I really believed I was gonna make it. When we did the high school talent show and our band was the one, I was like, we're on our way, baby. You see, success, success can feed your pride. Sometimes one of the worst things that it can happen is you actually achieve what your goals are. And it can happen in any stage of life. It can have a middle school, high school, college, career, Sometimes the best thing that God can do for you is to stop your dreams from coming true. Today, Pastor Danny teaches you that God's will may not line up with your will. In fact, most times it probably won't. It's not because He wants your dreams to fail, but because He knows what path will bring you the best outcome. He knows what will lead you to a strong relationship with Him. And He knows that that's ultimately all that matters in this life. All dreams and goals are irrelevant if they don't make you stronger in Christ. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Daniel, chapter 4, as he begins his message, The Evil of Pride. Old Testament, book of Daniel, and we are in chapter 4. The book of Daniel takes place, the events of it, during what's known as the Babylonian captivity. Unfortunately, it was only one of many captivities that Israel, as a people, as a nation, experienced. God had warned them, if they don't keep him as number one, they would be given over to the enemy. And it literally happened time and time again throughout Israel's history. This is one of those times where Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon are allowed to come in and defeat Israel. And in doing so, they import Babylonians into the land of Israel and they deport Israelites from Israel into the land of Babylon. God prophesied that the Babylonian captivity would last 70 years. He did that through the prophet Jeremiah. Well, so many of the Israelites, if you read between the lines, they succumbed to Babylonian culture. There are four we know of that did not. They're key figures in the book of Daniel. Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Unfortunately, we know Daniel's three friends better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their story was last week, chapter 3, fiery furnace, God delivers them. But Daniel and his three friends, their Hebrew names, which have the God of Israel in their names, Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, first thing Babylon does when they import them into Babylon is change their names. 
and they give them names associated with the gods of Babylon. And they would go on to attempt to make them into Babylonians, begin to worship Babylonian gods, just mesh right in with Babylonian culture. But even though they changed their names and they're literally in Babylon, they underestimated these four men. They changed their names, but they couldn't change their heart. They tried to get them to be seduced into worshiping these Babylonian gods, but these men refused. And they were willing to die. Last week, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand before King Nebuchadnezzar. He's made this 90-foot image there. Everybody's going to fall down and worship when the band starts playing. Worship this image. The image represents Neb, Nebuchadnezzar. They're called before the king because they don't bow, and they would rather burn than bow. And they're thrown into the fiery furnace, but God delivers them. You see, one of the things that God wants to do with believers in Babylon, and Babylon represents the world, the world system. It's an actual place. It's a geographic place. And there's a history of a real man named Nebuchadnezzar, and he really did defeat Israel. These are real stories. But Revelation tells us that Babylon is representative of the world. And the challenge is not to be seduced, not to just be like everybody else. And God wants us to be witnesses in Babylon. That has daily challenges, daily challenges to resist the temptation, and to stand for God, and to be willing to give your life. And so God uses Daniel and his friends as witnesses in the land of Babylon. And it makes a difference. They make a difference. And one of the lives that is changed because of Daniel and his three friends and their faithfulness to the God of Israel is Nebuchadnezzar. But it didn't happen right away. And it was a tough path before his heart is really finally changed. Daniel chapter 4. We would call this Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. King Nebuchadnezzar to the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world, that would include us, may you prosper greatly. It's my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs? How mighty his wonders? His kingdom is an, inter, an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. Things were going good. I had a dream. made me afraid. As I was lying on my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So this is a nightmare. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Don't miss verse 8. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. You want to wonder if you've been paying attention in the stories of Daniel, why Neb didn't call Daniel first. He is called Belteshazzar, after the name of my God. That tells us unequivocally that despite the revelation and testimony that 
Neb has been given of the true God, the most high God, the God of Israel, he's still submitted, he's still serving and worshiping the gods of Babylon and his number one God. He names Daniel after, Belteshazzar, after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. That's been proven. Here's my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the beasts of the field found shelter. The birds of the air lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree, trim off its branches, strip off its leaves, scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from the branches. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze, iron strength, bronze judgment, remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal. Till seven times pass by for him, that's seven years. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the most high is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone who wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. This is the dream that I, Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means. For none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, don't let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Well, the reason it alarms Daniel, Daniel works for Nebuchadnezzar, and the dream is about Nebuchadnezzar, and it ain't good. Belteshazzar answered, Look, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies, and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong with its top reaching the sky, visible to the whole earth with beautiful leaves, abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the field, having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air. You, O king, are that tree. You become great, strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky. Your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree, destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field. In other words, don't take his life while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord the King. You'll be driven away from people. You'll live with the wild animals. You'll eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. He's going to go nuts. He's going to lose his mind. He's going to live in the woods. 
for seven years. He's homeless. He's palaceless. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone who wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Now this is good advice for King Neb. And here it is. Renounce your sins by doing what is right. Repent. And repentance will be shown by a change in your life. And your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed, it may be that then your prosperity will continue. Now, before we finish the story, I have lots of different Bibles. I teach now from the 1984 NIV. I know I'm going to have to change at some point because they stopped printing it, but I just love the way it reads. And I have a little note in the side here because it's a study Bible, and sometimes these little notes can be helpful. And here's what it says. What were Nebuchadnezzar's sins? In addition to attacking other nations and killing, torturing, or deporting their people, the king kept his own citizens in relative poverty. He spent huge sums on elaborate building projects, including, according to tradition, the famed Hanging Gardens of Babylon. The Greeks dubbed it one of the seven wonders of the world. Excavations have shown that the king's palace was enormous, surrounded by a series of thickly fortified walls. Some writings say that the walls were so thick around Neb's palace that chariots, two chariots, could pass one another side by side. While most of the populace lived in one-story mud brick houses, he lived for himself. So Daniel's advice, if you'll repent, that's my advice. That's the best thing you could do. Verse 28, all this happened, what was prophesied to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, please stop there. I underline that. That's very important. You've got to stop and sometimes just think about these things. Twelve months later. Twelve months after Daniel's advice. So he didn't take Daniel's advice. Twelve months later. Twelve months later. As the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. He's out on the balcony. He said, is this not the great Babylon that I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? He didn't take Daniel's advice. Verse 31, the words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. I wish I could do the voice, but I don't know what the voice sounded like. I don't know if God's using an angel. I don't know if it's the Father speaking. I don't know. I can imagine it, you know, going something like, this is what is decreed for you. I don't know how it sounded, but I guarantee you, I guarantee you, when a voice comes from heaven, you stop, you listen. And the voice spoke, this is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You'll be driven away from people. We'll live with the wild animals. You'll eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone who wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. So God speaks and it happens. He was driven away from people. He ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails 
like the claws of a bird. The dude is a freak. He's like some human monster living in the woods. You run from him. Now, watch out. Halloween was every day when them was like this. <laughs> Kids, come in. The guy goes nuts. And he's like that for seven years. Seven years. <laughs> but I love verse 34. At the end of that time, seven years later, seven years later, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. Like the prodigal story in the New Testament where the prodigal son went off, took his inheritance early and squandered in wild living. We don't know how long, but it was no doubt years. He ended up in a pig pen. The Bible tells us that when he's in the pig pen, he came to his senses. He came to his senses. He took a pig pen, but he came to his senses looked up to heaven, began to pray. That's what happens to Neb here. I raised my eyes toward heaven. My sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases. With the powers of heaven, the peoples of the earth, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor will return to me for the glory of my kingdom. What a gracious God. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. What a gracious God. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right. All his ways are just. Don't miss the last line. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter how much money you got. doesn't matter how powerful you are. It doesn't matter. He, he's able to humble. Here's the first question. What was Neb's problem? I'll give you a clue. It's the last line I just read in the chapter. Here it is. Here's his problem. It's pride. Now, I know there may be other similar definitions, but I've given you a pretty thick one. I've given you a thick definition of pride. I want you to say it with me and think about it. You ready? Here we go. Here we go. An unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority in talents, beauty, wealth, accomplishments, rank, or elevation in office. Pride. I have another question. Why was Neb so proud? And I have one word answer for that one. You know what it is? Success. I don't know what success means to you. I, I dreamed, I dreamed when I was younger. Let me give you a, another definition before I tell you. Success, the attainment of fame, wealth, or social status, the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. When I was younger, I wanted to be a rock star. I was a drummer, self-taught drummer. Smoking the weed before I was living for Christ in the little barnyard band I was a part of, and we're playing, you know, got the James Gang, and we're learning those kind of songs, and we're playing Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath, and I had I had dreams, and man, when you smoke about eight or nine joints, you sound better than you really are when you're playing. <laughs> And I had dreams of stardom and fame. And, you know, I, I really believed I was going to make it. 
When we did the high school talent show and our band was the one, I was like, we're on our way, baby. You see, success, success can feed your pride. Sometimes one of the worst things that it can happen is you actually achieve what your goals are. And it can happen in any stage of life. It can happen middle school, high school, college, career. Man, you talk about success. This dude is successful. Man, he's successful. Well, I was, <laughs> I just fed his pride. Is this not the great Babylon which I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Who's the man? Neb's the man, you know. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you, you, you throw that football down, and you're like, you know, you, you're in the glory moment. He's in the glory moment here, man. He's like, I was at home in my palace, contented, prosperous, things were going good. Now, look, every single one of us, every single one of us, I'm in the circle too, every one of us are susceptible to what I call the evil of pride. That's what I call the message, the evil of pride. Every one of us. John in 1 John chapter 2 tells us there are three things, three umbrellas of sin, and every sin falls underneath one. Lust of the eyes, and the Bible says the eyes of man are never satisfied. Lust of the flesh, satisfying an appetite that's outside the will of God, whether it's sexual sin or whatever. And then the third one, that's the subject this morning, the pride of life. The pride of life. Every one of us is susceptible to it. I've given the challenge every service, so you're no different. I'm going to give you the challenge. I don't know of a scripture. I don't know of a scripture in the Bible that tells us to pray for humility. I've had some people in my church experience, and they've said things like, would you pray for me? Would you pray that I'll be a humble person? You want me to pray that you'll be a humble person? It means you're not a humble person. So if you're praying, pray that I'll become a humble person. It means there's some work to do, right? I don't know of a scripture that tells us to ask for that kind of prayer. I don't know of a scripture that tells us to pray for humility. No, the scriptures I find are like these. Say this with me. You ready? Here we go. Do you want to? Do it anyway. Okay, you ready? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. It doesn't say pray for humility. It says do it. Humble yourself. Famous verse. A lot of us will know it. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, that's very important because humility involves submission. Humility involves uh, submitting my life to God. If my life is not submitted to God, I'm not humble. Are you kidding me? No matter what I talk, talk all you want. You can talk like a humble person, but unless your life is submitted to God, listen, that's how you resist the devil. That's how you win the battle against the devil. You got to submit to God. Humble yourselves. And because we're all susceptible to it, (laughs) we all need humbling experiences in life. Anybody ever had one? If you've had one, at least one, raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you've had two, raise your other hand. And listen, I can raise my toes. I can raise all my fingers. And a lot of us go, yeah, me too, man. I've had more than one.
Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Daniel on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. If you're ever in the St. Petersburg area, feel free to join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. You can find out more on our website. Once more, that was ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Join Pastor Danny next time for more from the book of Daniel right here on The Living Word.